Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Hi, come join us as we tour around the world of 80 plays. I am Lizzie B. And I'm Alfie Parker. And we are joined by our leading lady, co-host, travel buddy and fur baby, Dolly the Dog. For this week's very first episode, we're starting at Southend for five days on the first stop of the Sister Act UK tour. In this series, we're going to be exploring UK and Northern Ireland's wonderful arts history and culture as we make our way from city to city with Sister Act. But first, we should probably start off by telling our listeners a little bit about who we are. We thought it would be more fun to kind of do this through a little game. So last night when we were preparing for our first episode, we secretly went and wrote five questions to ask each other to find some random facts about each other that maybe we don't even know. We should probably say that we are a couple We are engaged, uh, me and Alfie, what a lucky man. We've been together for five years now and are working together, which would be some people's idea of hell, but we love it and we're in a great show and we're very lucky. So yeah, we move around the country with each other and with the best dog ever, Dolly. But I think through these questions, we might actually find out some new information about each other. So, Alfie, do you want to ask the questions first? Let's do it. Here we go. Five? Yeah, five questions. Five, five questions. For you All right, well. let's do that. Here we go. Your favourite flavour of crisp? Do you know what? I'm going to say salt and vinegar because I would normally say like sour cream and chive, something like that. But I'm really in a salt and vinegar phase at the moment. The ones that hurt your mouth. The ones that burn. Yeah, the ones that burn. That's what I like when I eat a crisp. Nice. Question two. What are two things on your bucket list? That is such a good question. My questions are rubbish compared to (laughs) me. I'm going to say skydiving. But I think you already knew that because I'm an absolute adrenaline junkie. And I would love to do that. And going to South America, which I think you already know as well. Alfie and I are very, (laughs) like, finance conscious, I would say. And we're actually really rubbish at treating ourselves. But I've decided that saving up to go to South America, not even with Alfie, but with my mum, is kind of the next big thing that I'd love to do. So that's probably, yeah, my main thing I would love to do. Okay. If your life was a song, what would it be called? Why are these questions so good? That's not the answer. My questions are going to be really disappointing after this. I think it would be called... This is going to be such a cheesy answer, right? Something like, I never thought I'd actually do it. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it would be kind of referring to, like, I have achieved so much that I have always wanted to, but I never actually thought I'd get to do it. That's, yeah, it's nice. So. Hey, good answer. There we go. What does not belong on a pizza? Pineapple. You see, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I've only, I have, I only ever had it about twice. Pineapple on a pizza is great. The thing is, though, you know I'm not the biggest fan of, like, fruit with... In general. <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually... 
actual burn of it all though fruit in general you're actually saying me no fruit with like savory foods like I don't really do like you know how some people are really into like raisins and stuff I just can't bear it yeah, yeah. so pineapple no that's sacrilege right was that your questions oh, I've got one more oh god okay here we go what did you want to be when you grew up well I feel like it changed quite a few times in my life so as a kid definitely pop star was top of the list but then I actually still have PTSD from this time when at primary school I was sitting with my friends and we were designing costumes we were gonna wear to be pop stars and then I drew a picture of me in a denim crop top and the girl sat next to me went that's not a crop top it's a bikini from Marks and Spencer's and you can't wear it to be a pop star and at the time it was like the meanest thing someone had ever said to me and I still have PTSD so that was the day that that dream died then I felt like pop star was like top of the list but I actually in a sensible way wanted to be a newsreader so that's what I thought I would actually end up doing and then becoming an actor was just a mistake (laughs) what have I done (laughs) no I'm like really happy but I think I was trying to be like realistic but now I'm actually doing the best job ever yeah cool so my questions are so rubbish compared to what you've just asked me it's literally like a five-year-old's written them normally I'm the rubbish one so that's that makes Alfie's making a really good impression in the first episode and I'm just letting everyone first impressions are important you'll notice as we go on that I get progressively more rubbish yeah to be fair the only way is up for me and the only way is down for you so it's fine (laughs) right here we go what was your first show and I mean first show ever not professionally like in your life that you were in Okay, you're like keeping it, keeping it. No, they're not all like that. Oh, okay, fine. I was going to say, it was a pantomime in Worthing. I already know the answer and I've just set him up. And I played a wolf, a little wolf in Jungle Book. And what did you sing? Oh, what is that song? No matter what they tell us. Yes. No, that wasn't my first. Oh, that was your second. My second where I played a lost boy in Peter Pan. <laughs> the first, I was officially a wolf in uh, Jungle Book Panto with someone called Jess Conrad. It's a throwback name for you. Okay. I've put this deliberately because I know that you'll be very passionate about it. What's your favourite food? Pizza. No hesitation. I mean, maybe a little bit of hesitation because I love a sausage roll. But yes, I have a tattoo of a pizza slice on my wrist for people who don't know me. I'm very passionate about pizza. I could eat pizza every meal of the day. I love it. I love it cold. I love it hot. I don't discriminate. You can pretty much put whatever you want on there. Bar fish. I'm not a fish man. Lizzie loves tuna, but it's, love a tuna pizza. it's not for me. There we go. Okay. I'll be interested with this answer. Where is your favourite place in the world? My favourite place in the world. I mean, I love Brighton. That's a cute answer. I think it probably, I think it probably is true. So me and Alfie live in Brighton. Yeah, and we both like grew up down there, so. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, and I'm not just saying it because people are going to hear it. It would probably be Brighton because, you know, that's that's where we live and our families are down there. Or it would be Canterbury, in all seriousness. And that is where I uh, proposed to Lizzie. Buy a bin. Buy a bin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in a park called Toddler's Cove. My plan all got went a bit ski-whiff, so I had to do it by a bin near the river. Originally, it was going to be by the cathedral, but it was closed. All I cared about was that no one else was there except the dog. The dog, so, yeah. Despite it being by a bin or a trash can for our American listeners. There is, well, that's very... Thank you. It was great. <laughs> okay, this is a rogue question. 
favourite mode of transport? That is so weird. I thought it was relevant, though, because we're on tour. No, that's good. Your questions are better than mine. mine well, you say mine were better, but... They were, like, are... more intelligent. Mine is, like, yours what you trend. learn when you're doing Spanish GCSE. <laughs> My favourite mode of transport is probably... I do like the bus. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I do like the bus. I always sit at the back of the bus. That's where the engine is. And the vibrations make me fall asleep. Oh. <laughs> That's... Um, no, it's true, though. It does. It's quite relaxing. You know what I actually love about being on the bus, especially in London? I feel like you can do sightseeing for free. Yeah, and it, because it's cheap. And it's not stressful. And Once you, you want on it, off. you just sit there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You tap on and off. It costs you, what, one pound for a trip. If you wanted to, you could sit on it for, like, all yeah. day. Like the other day, I was doing a bit of work in London, which never happens these days. Like, I feel like once we're away, we're away and we like never go to London. But I was there for a day doing some work and they got us a taxi to go between venues. And I was just like, I feel like since not living in London, any time I can actually do a bit of sightseeing, especially if it's free, it's so much more exciting now because we don't see it every day. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And like, because we we both used to live in London, once you move out of there, you, you can take it for granted less, if that makes sense. Yeah, and when it's free, it's even better. Well, Nothing free better. or £1.80. One ba- oh, is it, is it one eighty? I think so. It's gone up. Don't know, don't quote us on that. All right. Anyway, last question. And I feel like there are a few potential answers to this. So I don't know which one you'll pick. Favourite film? Hot Fuzz. That's that. I would have put money on it being that one, but I did think it could have been Shaun of the Dead or The Matrix. I love The Matrix. Only the first one. After the first film, it all gets a bit silly. Uh, I love the Cornetto trilogy in general, which, if you don't know, is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. Yeah, I love that, but Hot Fuzz is my favourite, and if they ever turned that into a musical, I would give my arm to be in it. And here's a question to see how much you really love me. What's my favourite film? Um, right, should we move on to the next? No, your favourite film? I feel like I test you on this all the time. The dinosaur one, the cartoon dinosaurs. No, Alfie. Oh, um... 15 going on 50 or whatever it's called okay it's 13 going on 30 but you know to be I mean. fair I'll, I'll let you have it because for anyone who knows Alfie and is listening you'll know he's got the memory of a sieve so the fact he even said that at all is a win in my book because normally he doesn't even know when my birthday is so I do know let's not say it for everyone in case they try to steal my identity but right. okay anyway hopefully you know a bit more about us now I think they're quite good questions overall yeah, yours weren't as rubbish as what you said they were going to be. They were quite rubbish. No, no, it's no. like when you, like I said, when you learn Spanish GCSE and you think you're going to go to Spain and be like, uh, "Me gusta el fútbol." That's that... why I like football. Yeah. But actually, you're not going to say that to a Spaniard when you're there, are you? You might if they ask you about your favourite sport. Yeah, but football isn't my favourite sport. It's just the sport I know how to say. <laughs> yeah, fine. Right. Well, that was a bit of fun. Hopefully, uh, people got to know us a little bit more. I feel like we should tell you a bit more stuff about us that's like relevant to the podcast as well. So in terms of what mine and Alfie's actual jobs are, we are both actors. I know people will tell me off for saying I'm lucky, but I do think we are lucky because we've done some really amazing shows between us. I would say my most prominent role to date was playing Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray in the West End. And then I've been really lucky that since then I did Martha in Heathers at the Other Palace and I'm now currently playing Sister Mary Robert in Sister Act UK Tour. Yeah, for me, something that I always love to say, which I think is very cool, is that I was part of the original West End cast of School of Rock. 
And that was my first job outside of Panto. My first professional big musical. From there, I've been in musicals such as Joseph, Kinky Boots, and yeah, now I'm currently in Sistract playing Eddie Salva, the policeman. So pretty cool, really, that we've done all those exciting things. In terms of touring, this is now my fifth UK tour. Can you believe it? So I did Three Little Pigs slash Shakespeare Review in rep. That was my first UK tour and it was an amazing kind of baptism of fire doing shows in rep and touring. I then did Fat Friends the Musical, Pinky Boots, which is where me and Alfie met, and then Sister Act Times Two. This is your third? Third. Could have been fourth, but third. I was also meant to be in Fat Friends when it came round again, but sadly, COVID-19. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, we won't talk about that because that's really depressing. So yeah, this is my third tour in the UK and I've been lucky enough to go to Germany and do another version of Sistract. We get about, don't we, Al? That's kind of Sistract times too. Yeah, true. Kind of. Now on to the most important part of this podcast, Dolly the Dog. We know it's the content that everyone (laughs) is really listening for. It's the content that fulfills our lives, to be honest. So, Dolly, basically, I grew up with a dog, have always loved dogs. My parents got a dog in 2018, which is the year I met Alfie, but they got Billy, their dog, in the January, so a few months before I met Alfie. And I was desperate to have my own dog. When I met Alfie, I made it quite clear that he would be the second most important man in my life after Billy. And Alfie hadn't had like a huge amount of experience with dogs. But I think it's safe to say with Billy, it was love at first sight. Yeah, so normally I've got a big bushy beard and Billy does too because he's a little mini schnauzer. Uh, It's a lovely beard. Better than mine. And yeah, we hit it off pretty much straight away. And that is really, I guess I have to thank him really for us having Dolly. Yeah. Really? So at the end of Kinky Boots, we were on the road with Kinky Boots for 16 months, long time, and at the end made the brave decision to move in with each other. And we basically moved in somewhere where we knew we could get a dog because that was a massive priority for us. And then the pandemic hit. Everybody in the world wanted to get a dog. We knew we wanted to rescue, but things became very difficult because rescues in the UK became quite picky with who they could give dogs to. And a young couple with no garden in Brighton, I don't think was their first choice. Hence why we started looking at foreign rescue charities. I was apprehensive at first because I kind of knew that it would be very likely that we would be taking on a more difficult dog who'd probably had more trauma than dogs in the UK. We started looking at Romanian rescues because through our research, we found two or three charities that had incredible reputations and they all dealt with dogs from Romania. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know, Romania has a really terrible street dog problem due to its kind of war history where a lot of people got moved away from their homes and dogs were left behind and they've all now kind of interbred and it's all very sad. But we started contacting this charity called Poor Prince to Freedom. This was, I would say, maybe two months into us trying to get a dog and it was just this 
incredible breakthrough moment where they told us that all they cared about was that they could tell that we had a lot of love to give and they could tell we really wanted a dog and they were going to do everything they could to get us one and our wonderful caseworker Nina shout out to Nina said it could take like six to eight weeks for us to get a dog which we were happy with by then because it was kind of the first bit of progress we made two days later we got a text from her and she said I've just had a failed foster come to live with me and I think she might be your dog oh my god as if I'm getting really emotional remembering all of this I just love Dolly so much anyway she was like I'll send you through some photos and videos and for anyone who's seen photos of Dolly she's quite like a weird shape the dogs from Romania are very like interbred so they kind of just kind of look like a breed of their own now and we couldn't really tell what size she was what shape she was anything like that but Nina was kind of telling us oh she's got an amazing temperament she's quite nervous but you can tell she just wants to be loved basically and it's the quickest I've ever made a decision I literally texted back we will have her tell us what we need to do and a few days later my mum drove us to go and collect her and the rest is history She's been with us ever since. Yeah. She had a lot of trauma. We think she'd probably been on the streets for about a year and a half. Well, we got her. It took a lot of work to train her, but it is absolutely the best decision we've ever made. And we love her so much and we don't go anywhere without her. I even took her to Germany for four weeks by myself when Alfie was over there. We went on the boat and all of that stuff. And she just is amazing. So we wanted to make sure that we made her a huge part of this podcast as well because... She's a massive part of us being on tour as well. She comes everywhere. Yeah, she really is. You know, when people say, you know, dogs are part of your family. I mean, she really, really is. What we do on this podcast will reflect that 100%. You know, you'll find out where we go and what, what we get up to. And it's normally because Dolly can come. She is, I guess, the main star of this podcast. She's the main star of everything. <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> sad but true hopefully there are some dog fans listening because otherwise everyone will just think we're mad love it but before we continue we are going to take a little ad break g'day and welcome to an extra short preview edition of thrash and treasure the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that wished upon a star but all we got was an instagram full of gaston selfies and speaking of full of gas I'm Aaron, and I'm joined as usual by the only one of us to survive Thanos the Snap, thanks to the Snapola scheme. It's Mr. J-Wags. How's it going? Amazing. So glad to survive that Thanos. That's it. I hope it was worth the money. There was actually a little reference to Memphis. (laughs) Yes. If memory serves me correct, I was about the payola scheme, about getting songs on the radio. Uh, Oh, yes. Big, big, big payola scheme. Trust me. Oh, yes. That's it. Anyways, guess what? What? We have another legendary Disney diva in the fuel chamber today. So it's this Aussie's deepest pride and greatest pleasure causing me to cave in wonder at the wonderful world of (laughs) Disney's Neverlander's career as we watch him rocketeer and bolt up there with an iron wheel and the g-force of a flying carpet that was found by some mini mouse and rat rescuers down under the sands of agrabah where we also found a true blue tony award-winning genie from today's chosen mousicle so we made a wish for three names and out popped the marvelously magical and mythologically admired mr james monroe eigelhart yay welcome to the torture chamber i can cross another dream guest off my list and die 
Okay, I have to say something. I have been on many, (laughs) many, I have been on many a show. I have been on many a show. And I have been asked to do intros for some of my favorite WWE wrestlers. And let me tell you, I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt, after 18 years of being in this business, that was the best intro I have ever heard Mm -hmm. in my life. As a matter of fact, I need you to email that to me so I can show my friend this. I need to have that. I need to have that. I need to frame it. It is the most amazing intro I've ever heard in my life. I am so honored. That was literally the dopest thing I've heard ever about myself. <laughs> that is, that was fire. Absolute fire. Wow. And now I have a question. I did this with Julia Murney, uh, because as we learn on this show, I have the strangest DVD collection. When was the last time you watched this movie? <laughs> okay. That's the reaction I'm looking for. Yes. The last time I watched Beyond the Valley Dolls was probably about a year and a half ago. Oh, wonderful. Because uh, a friend of mine uh, made a joke. It was a twofold joke about Roger Ebert being, a, you know, you know, loved watching, you know, at the movies with Siskel and Ebert. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I think it's funny that a critic only wrote one movie. They're like, he didn't write a movie. I'm like, yes, he did. He wrote a movie. My father was in it. You know, my father, you know, played the, the black boxer in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's why he brought that's that's my pops. So I went back and watched it and just kind of went, there's a movie for its time. There's a movie for its time. Mm-hmm. I go, resent that. It's a timeless movie and I love it. Well, what's funny is it's it's such a cult classic that it's played like at midnight showings like all around the world. And you have to go into it with an open mind, complete open mind. And you can hear the full James Monroe Iglehart interview along with more incredible legendary guests on Thrush and Treasure wherever you get your podcasts exclusively to the Blue Network. Welcome back to Around the World in 80 Plays. We are going to talk a bit more about actually taking this show on the road. So let's talk about our first tour venue, Southend. So Southend is kind of a classic UK seaside town, which was right up our street because we both grew up near the sea. And also Southend isn't that far away from us. It was probably our closest tour venue to London. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It's really near to London. So it's quite a good place to open, actually. It meant that it was very busy because Sister Act hadn't been in London for about a year. So it was a very popular venue. I did a little bit of research on Cliff's Pavilion, which is the name of the theatre. And it is the largest purpose-built performing arts venue in Essex. So Essex is probably the closest area of the UK to London. It's like right next door. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get the tube through, you know, from Essex to London. Yeah, it's it's that close. It's that close. So when you're kind of talking about main cities with a theatre scene near London, Southend's probably top of the list. Mm. So yeah, it was a great place to open. And even though it was near to London, we got to be by the sea. And yes, you will be able to see photos from a lot of these theatres on our socials, courtesy of Rocky Horror star Christian Lavacombe, who's been touring the UK and the world in Rocky Horror for the past 525, surely not. Half a million performances. That's Half a million performances. Oh, 3,000, but it probably feels like forever. 
yeah, he's like the longest um, oh. running ever cast <gasps> member of Rocky Horror, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to half a million. Blimey O'Reilly. Uh, no. Yeah, he's been there forever. And he basically, because he's been to all the theatres ever, he's got gorgeous photos of all of them and he's letting us use them um, on nice. our socials. Alfie's just got the joke. Yeah, sorry. It was 525,600 performances. Right. I'm going to let Alfie talk about what he did with Dolly while we were in South End, and then we can talk a bit more about doing the show and rehearsing and all of that fun stuff that people might not know. But yeah, Alfie, what did Dolly do in South End? Dolly segment. So we went to Leon C, which was on the train from, I mean, it's, it's part of Southend, really. A couple of stops on the train, so you're looking at maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes tops. We went to Leon C and visited somewhere called Sarah's Tea Garden. It was a 10-minute walk from the train station along the seaside, and we were drawn to it because basically their website was covered in dogs. So as soon as you click on the website and you scroll down a bit, it has a doggy gallery. And then just under that, there's a doggy of the month where uh, <laughs> dog customers can have their picture taken and then get entered, I guess, into like a raffle. And then if you get selected, you can pop in and get a free doggy goodie bag. So we went for afternoon tea. I went with a member of the cast called Laurie, uh, who is lovely. What a lovely date that was. Sorry, Lizzie. I went with Laurie and we originally went for afternoon tea, but in the end we had pie and mash and Welsh rare bit. It turned into a bit of a feast, but we did drink tea. So I guess it was kind of afternoon tea, but like proper. I feel like as well, for any non-UK listeners, it doesn't really get much more English than pie and mash. Like that's like a staple UK dish. What was in your pie? It's just steak. Yeah, but it's not just steak. When it's in a pie and it's got all that gravy and everything, that is so nice. Steaky gravy goodness. The best thing about the menu is that there was a whole doggy menu section. <laughs> so, of course, Dolly had sausage omelette. It was quite a hefty omelette, to be honest. I mean, it was big, and Dolly ate it in probably about four seconds. <laughs> so, she clearly really enjoyed it. After we had tea, I went and spoke to the Sarah of uh, Sarah's Tea Garden and kind of explained what we were up to and got her email address. Lizzie sent her some questions. So I just thought I'd uh, give you a little recap of uh, what she said. Sarah describes the gardens as a quirky little tea garden. They allow dogs in the garden because she understands that dogs are part of your family. Any breed, any size. Every dog gets treated to love, a bowl of water and some gravy bones. Sarah said tourism is very important to the garden, but also the town. They welcome everyone from around the world with open arms. She's also said that welcoming touring actors with great hospitality is very important because she's representing Leon C. I thought it was very nice. Apart from, you know, having a lovely pie and mash and a lovely time, the service was great. We got that fresh sea air and overall 10 out of 10. And didn't you do a lovely walk along the seafront back to work as well? Yeah. So we got the train, which took about 10 minutes to Leon C. 
but then we walked back across the sea. Yeah, so... because doesn't the tide go out really far in South End? So that's why the pier's so long, isn't it? Because it's like one of the longest. It's the longest. Yeah. Yeah, it's the longest pier. The tide goes out yeah. so far, so it's, it's got a really long pier. So you can literally walk along the sand, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't because it's not dog-friendly beach at this time. Boo. Boo hiss. But yeah, we did walk along the prom. And it was lovely. And we stopped off and had a little ice cream. Didn't tell you that bit. Uh, we did stop off and have a little ice cream and a lemon ice, uh, which I recommend if you go to South End, you need to try Rossi's ice cream. Oh, it's so good. Because it is very, very nice. Top tip for you. Don't get a Mr. Whippy, get a Rossi's. And then, yeah, headed on back to work. There we go. That was the dolly fun that I missed out on. You did I was out. working. So just as kind of like a last little segment to talk about, we thought in the first episode it would be really helpful to just kind of talk about putting on a UK tour in general, kind of from our experience. So I wrote down a couple of things which I thought might be interesting for people. So when you are touring in a UK production, essentially you are moving a show around the UK. So everything comes with you. In terms of the show, that means that a set is being toured, Sound equipment is being toured, actors are being toured, actors' belongings are being toured. The whole thing kind of goes on the road as one big entity. So a lot of people kind of think that we turn up at a theatre and it's different sound people, different costume people, but no, they all come with us to kind of like keep that consistency there when we are taking a show on the road. And a big thing that is kind of unique I'm going to use unique to try and make it sound positive. A unique element of touring in the UK is that we have to book our own digs. So digs is kind of the word we use for accommodation. It's kind of like a weird thing to grasp at first, I think, because I think a lot of people assume that it's very glamorous and we're put up in hotels and stuff like that. We wish, but no. You know, there are lots of different digs that you can book. Sometimes it's more of like someone's spare room and it's maybe like someone who's very passionate about the theatre and they like having actors stay in their spare room. Or other times you can do kind of Airbnb or there's a website called Theatre Digs Booker, which is basically like Airbnb for actors. I have always been very organised when booking my digs and try and do it as soon as possible and this time round it was kind of even more important because of Dolly because we've had to book everything dog friendly and it has been an absolute blessing because I think in general it's meant we've stayed with the nicest people who love dogs which has been a pleasant experience really. Yeah no hate on people that don't like dogs. Dog owners get it as well so when you stay in a house and they are dog friendly, they might leave out dog beds. You know that they're going to be okay with your dog leaving hair everywhere. Or if there were any little accidents, not that we ever have them with Dolly, dog owners understand that that is just part of having a dog. Definitely. And carrying on from that, we have to book our own travel as well. So we get given the money for all of this, I should say. It's like a set amount you get given each week. So also, this is why it kind of helps if you're more prepared, because 
if you leave things last minute, you're probably not financially making the best decision either. But neither me or Alfie drive. So we normally end up getting the train between venues with Dolly and most of our suitcases because, as you can imagine, touring a dog, we have to have a lot of stuff with us. So last year when I was on the road and Alfie wasn't, it was quite a huge undertaking for me to do that by myself but now that I have Alfie it's a lot easier (laughs) the muscle has arrived he wishes yeah it's kind of a lot easier to take all the stuff around and the other thing that I kind of like thought might be interesting is when we rehearse for a UK tour we do actually still do the rehearsals in London so for anyone who kind of knows about the theatre scene in the UK London is kind of the central hub of uh, theatre in terms of that's where the West End is and all of that kind of stuff. The central hub, if you're ever rehearsing a touring production or a West End production. So we still did our rehearsals in London. The length of a rehearsal period just varies from show to show. I think for Kinky Boots, we had like four weeks. Yeah, four weeks in London. Yeah, and then we went on tour. Yeah. Yeah, whereas for this, we had two weeks and then went on tour. So it just depends. It kind of depends. I think with this, because it was an already established production, which had just been on tour, they kind of knew they could do it in less time. And then we went away and we did all of the tech process in South End. Tech is where you wear your costume and your mic for the first time. You have the proper set and it's kind of time for the technical departments to get the show ready from their perspective rather than from our perspective. Yeah, they always say tech is for them, not us. So during tech is where the sound, the lighting, the costume, all of those departments can iron out any problems that may crop up. Tech is not really a time for the actors. It is a time to, you know, first see the set and first, you know, see how the stage is. And when you're on tour, every venue you go to will have a completely different stage, depending on how wide it is, how deep it is, how much space you have in the wings. And depending on where we are on tour, it will depend how much set we can have with us. So sometimes in one venue, we might not have some pieces of set, whereas others will have all the set and more. So it completely varies week to week. Definitely. Carrying on from that about the set, usually kind of be good productions we do actually have some of the set to use in rehearsals in London I remember when I did Kinky Boots which was kind of the first big production like that I ever did I thought that was the most exciting thing ever that we had a set in rehearsals and it kind of means that you're ahead of the game by the time you're actually doing it I think especially in shows like Kinky Boots, the set is such a crucial part of the production. For anyone who's seen it, it's kind of got that big tower in the middle of the stage, which gets moved. And if you stand at the top of it, if you're scared of heights, it's not the most pleasant experience. Uh, That's Lizzie is referring to me. Uh, Yes, I was a bit wobbly, not good at heights. But yeah, having it in rehearsals was really helpful. And we had the same with Sister Act. And it just kind of takes away a bit of that stress before Mm. you're doing it. The tech process this time round for Alfie and I, because we had already done the show on the last leg of the tour, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I can imagine it's quite stressful for people that, you know, we're working with some people where this is their professional debut. And I can imagine tech is a very stressful time for them and exciting. But I do feel like tech is where the stress kind of creeps in. That's where the show becomes real. I think for a lot of people, they actually go, oh, actually, especially when you look out at the auditorium and we play to houses that seat, you know, a thousand people, just over a thousand people. It really does become real because in the rehearsal room, you're performing to three 
and then it, it turns into a thousand. I think a lot of people that that can be quite daunting, scary, but also exciting. And I think on tour, it's kind of like what you lose is that sense of consistency. So in terms of like how big the space is each time, what it sounds like, what it feels like to sing in that space, and so that can definitely add to the stress of it because you've sung in a rehearsal room for two weeks and all of a sudden you've got a microphone strapped to you. South End especially, the sound was quite dead in terms of once it left your mouth, you didn't get a huge amount of feedback and that can mean that you're having to completely adjust the way you are singing the show and stuff like that. So it can really kind of like, I feel like every venue we go to, we have to adjust our performance, which can be really stressful. But I think what always outweighs the stress is that we get to take an amazing show to people who otherwise probably wouldn't go and see theatre. And that's why I always feel really privileged to get to do touring theatre because the response that you get, especially with shows like Sister Act, which are joyful shows, you can just sense that people have had an amazing time and they've been able to have an amazing time in an accessible way. Mm. They haven't had to travel really far or spend loads of money to go and see a West End show. They are seeing a West End level show in their hometown. Yeah, and I think that's really important because theatre should be accessible. And a lot of people forget that if you're a part of a family of four and you have to get the train to London, yeah, the tickets are going to be, you know, if you're lucky, £40 each. And then you've got to get four train tickets, probably, you know, eight meals because you're going to have to eat probably twice because it's a long day. It just adds to that stress and the financial of it all. Whereas bringing the same quality show to a local theatre, I think is super. And like you say, it is great coming out of stage door because you see, you can see the excitement. That's a nice positive way to end the first episode, I think. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's end it on a... Let's, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about everything, because then we're going to be left with... Nothing. Nothing. And then, and then you'll what find out. What we don't want, we want people to be waiting with bated breath well, for episode two. They'll know that we're really boring. We're really not. We are incredibly exciting people. Absolutely. Aren't we? Yes. <laughs> so, that is about it for our first episode. We will be back next week in Hull, where we're going to be checking out for a bootleg exhibition. So more on that next week. You can find us on all of the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, X, uh, as it's now called. Still not really used to it being called X. That's weird. But you will find us on all of those uh, with some sort of version of Around the World in 80 Plays. Uh, Did you know that you can purchase our theme song? Uh, Blue Skies by the Australian band Walken. That's right. You can help support our show and hear the full track. All thanks to Drew and the boys of Walken. We're truly grateful for the support. So, www.thetonistontales.com. So, if you go to www.thetonistontales. No. So, if you go to www.thetoniston <laughs> So, if you go to www.thetoniston Tales, Toniston This is good, keep this in So, if you go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore right at the very top, you'll see our 
logo where you can buy your own MP3 of Blue Skies, which will help us fund this epic adventure across the UK and Ireland. Plus, we can buy Dolly some treats along the way. And we would also love you guys to email in any questions you might have. We would love this podcast to be as interactive as possible. We have an email address for you to send those questions into. It is 80playspodcast at gmail.com. 80playspodcast, all one word. No holds barred. Ask us whatever you would like to know about Sister Act, about touring, about Dolly. We all know that's going to be the main thing that you want to talk about. So the email address again is 80playspodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 8080playspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. So please do send us in questions. In the words of Oliver Twist, so long. Fairly well, hip tip, cheerio, we'll be back soon. <laughs>